0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where this queer millennial dissects topics at the top of my mind through the lens of anxiety, depression, and everything in between. Famously, not experts on uh, the topic we're talking about today, um, but it is a topic that we feel we have to talk about. It's a topic that we feel we have uh, scratch the surface of, I guess, is, is a phrase to use um, in other episodes. But it's also, um, I think, a, a topic that I personally um, was not great at, and am still probably not great at, as recently as just a couple weeks ago. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, um, I'm Paul, and I am trying to be anti-racist. Um, I'm trying to amplify the voices of Black people, especially right now, and hopefully it's something I can do for a lot longer. Um, But I've also, through this process, been reflecting a lot on my past and some stupid stuff that I have shared and put out, even on this podcast. So, you know, um, Erica is with me today, and Erica and I recorded an episode on Philly frustrations, um, and it was all about what we loved and we didn't love about Philly. And it's interesting because before that episode, we had recorded another episode on race, and all of a sudden, I felt so comfortable talking about race because, you know, as as Lexi joked, our second guest today, uh, that that it like it sounds like Erica might be your only black friend, and to an extent, like that's true. Um, and so, I think you know, listening back to some of the stuff that I shared out a, a less than a year ago around race and racism and allyship and supporting black people and lifting black people up was pretty shitty. Um, You know, some of the cringiest moments I can say are, are making jokes around food stamps around making jokes around angry black people and playing into stereotypes. Um, And like, I'm not proud of that shit. You know, there's a lot of stuff in this podcast I'm not proud of. So um, I'm really excited to talk about allyship today, specifically with two of, I think, the coolest people I know, who also just happen to be um, black females. Um, I'm excited to talk about this, because I think it allows me a chance to think even deeper around where I've done wrong, and not reflect on why I did wrong, because the intent doesn't matter, right? Like, 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 the, the intent does not matter anymore, because we just need to do better and we need to pull our shit up and do better. Um, so I'm really excited to keep learning. I hope you guys are excited to keep learning. Um, and I hope that this podcast, whether you are a person of color or not, maybe helps you talk about allyship with other people. So, um, with that, um, you know, every, every white gay loves to start every episode with three minutes of talking about their own experience, but we're going to jump into other people's experience. So, uh, Erica, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Uh, now, famously, the uh, most listened to episode of Let's Unpack That, um, as we joked last time, but now it's even further cemented. Apparently, your voice really resonates with people. So thank you um, for, for joining us again to talk about race and allyship.
1: Thanks for having me. And I said this earlier, I hate the sound of my own voice. So um, I appreciate everyone who has stuck through uh, listening to a Muppet combined with a prepubescent boy. Uh, You guys are great.
0: Oh You'll, maybe it's not the tone of what you say, but it is what the contents of what you say. Um, <laughs> joining Erica today is um, one of my good friends from, uh, I mean, years ago now. This pandemic has really shaken things up. The systemic racism finally coming to light is really shaking things up that Lex is here to sit down. I don't know if you like to go by Lex or Lexi, but I've, oh, I'm always just used to calling you Lexi. But Lex is here to talk to us today as well. So Lex, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello. You can call me Lexi. That is fine. That's how you know me. Like, oh, every Dominican knows me as Lexi. So let's let's keep going with that, right? But um, <laughs> yeah. um, um, hi, everyone. Um, Paul's friend happens to be a black girl, you know? <laughs>
0: i have i have two i've done it i've solved racism <laughs> we're you racial.
2: yeah go. i'm not racist i have two black friends actually and i get all my information from them so we're fine we're good here we're
0: all good we're all good uh it's it is like it's so true. Like just been thinking about my social circle and, and how limited it, it is in terms of diversity, even though I feel like people had diverse experiences in terms of the way they grew up. But certainly most of the people I spend a lot of time with um, have not grown up with black skin or something that is so obviously different about them than the color of their skin. So um, it, it it is sometimes it feels like when I'm like, oh, who can I talk to about black stuff? I'm like, okay, well, there's a guy on my team. Uh, there's Lexi, there's Erica. There's a couple of people that I talked to for the last episode. And now there's like, great, I have a following of people on Instagram who I can source for information, but that's not true friendship, right? Like that's not true allyship. So like, it's interesting, even, you know, a lot of white people have asked me like, how do I get black friends? And I was like, well, like, don't start with that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably don't lead with that um but Lexi I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself your perspective because you are new on this podcast and anybody who who wants to listen and learn about Erica there's like eight episodes now that erica has been on which I'm so happy about um but Lexi I would love for you to introduce yourself where you are where you live where you come from what you love to do your profession all that stuff
2: all right cool so yeah so I'm Lexi I live in Florida now I'm originally from New York Um, I work as a health educator. I work mostly in sexual and reproductive health, but now that we're in a pandemic, I also work COVID. So we can always unpack that if you ever need discussion, but, um, well,
0: I thought, I thought white people canceled COVID.
2: They did. And I'm in like the Florida doesn't give a shit capital (laughs) conversations I have daily with privileged people telling me why they don't think they need to wear a mask or don't understand why going to a bar is such a big deal and we made it up that's what I deal with daily and STDs you know it's a balance but um (laughs) (laughs) you know Um, but yeah so it's been really interesting I think um this perspective because like I've been black all my life right so like I've always had that experience and lucky luckily for me I've always had like a diverse group of friends which I know not everyone can say like I know a lot of times even when you are the minority depending on like where you grew up like you may be the only black face or color uh, or person of color um, that someone ever interacts with and so like even as a black person you're trying to like navigate you know the black world without having allies and it's really hard but like luckily for me i've always had like a really diverse group of friends and my closest friends have been like black and so it's just so like not funny but funny that like when things are happening like in my workspace or in my professional world i can literally text any of my friends like we have like group chats and it's like girl, look what this Karen did to me today. I almost lost my job, right? And I know not everyone has this, but like with so much going on, you just, once everything happened, especially with George Floyd, and it was just so many people that weren't like my best friends, but like my associates or like went to high school with, or maybe college or in the same circle and seeing their post on social media. And I was like, not today. You got to go. We got to I can't deal like because I just know like not even not like it's a black person's job to educate you but even if I try to correct like even part of what you're saying wrong you're gonna get so defensive and be like but wait you're shifting the conversation out about me like I don't I'm I'm not used to that right so like let's just block you delete you go on with my my little circle, but yeah, so it's it's been interesting this this world that we're in. Twenty twenty is is real.
0: Yeah, it's so like you painted so many good pictures right there. <laughs> like, and there's so many things I would love to jump in and ask you, um, but I guess it's it's interesting. I kind of have had similar thoughts that when I tried to talk and when I try to educate people again with my one month of of trying to be a better person on this earth, um, you know, I feel like people can easily discount me just because it's like, you're just another, like, queer, you know, you're just another, you know, like, liberal queen, you know, who's who just like, is is soft and doesn't understand the way that the world works. And it's really discounting. I don't know, like, and I can't imagine because I don't live that life, I don't live the life of a black person. That it must feel even more discounting when people are like that. When you are a person of color, um, so I don't know if you if you want to talk about that a little bit, Lexi, or if Erica, you you had a reaction to that too. You know what, like like what Lexi shared
1: for me. You know, I don't have a lot of diversity in my friend group, and the diversity that I do have, you know, it's a I have a lot of friends who are white passing um so they do represent another background but you can't tell on the street and um i think the physicality of it is really the big thing right like someone could have this incredibly rich maybe even indigenous culture or they could just be a very fair-skinned black person but um you know when that physicality is there there's a huge disconnect and I realize that there are things that most of my friends will absolutely never experience. But fortunately, um, me and my sisters are now friends after a very long time of absolutely hating each other, as sisters do. And, um, you know, I have them to fall back on, but there are also situations like in, in dating and you know, my interaction with men that I don't talk to my family about. And I don't frankly talk to my friends about, um, quite frankly, because it feels like a moot point. You know, there it's a lot of like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that happened to you. But the, the, the feeling of sorrow is very much just the same as if just a random guy ghosted me, like if there's really no negative motive behind it. So, you know, it, it tends to be a little bit of a lonelier path. And like, I, I truly did not grow up with the benefit of diversity. And that is something that I've often said that I, I want to correct when it comes to my kids. Um, but unfortunately, people also tie diversity with, you know, a lower class system, which I don't think is fair at all, or do I think it's accurate? But um, it's very hard to find that great intersection between diversity and inclusion and understanding and a beautiful array of opinions and thoughts in an environment where um, more and more so you're taught to pick a side. So I feel like the people who grew up kind of one track minded or either completely woken up or they just went straight back into that shell and really leaned into some of their more negative um, thoughts and opinions.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to say like Lexi, is that something that you experienced when you were first starting to see people post about George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Ahmaud Arbery when, when, when people were posting about that, was it, just sort of a reversal from the way that you knew them or because you feel like you grew up in in a little bit more of a a diverse environment you saw a lot of people immediately jump towards I would say overt allyship or or at least overt like performative allyship Um, yeah
2: well it's interesting so I realized that like how I grew up is very different so just like Erica said a lot of times when people think of a diverse community they also think of like you know, a poor community as well, right, because um, that's pretty much what, like, American media likes to tell us, but how I grew up is that, like, when I was in New York, at least, um, my friends were diverse, and they were people of color, but then also, you know, their parents were lawyers, their parents were doctors, their parents were vice presidents of companies on Wall Street, right, so that wasn't, I didn't associate that necessarily, like, neighborhood, yes, but not necessarily people that live in certain neighborhoods, because they're that color, they automatically wear that way, right? And I know not everyone that's like a needle in a haystack. Not everyone has that experience. But then in high school, I moved to Florida. So I went from (laughs) that (laughs) to being the only black person in my class being having to write on my transcript that I was white so they can look at my application to get into honors classes. I went from that extreme, right? And so it was the people that I knew kind of had those feelings. They may have not necessarily been like, you know, complete racist to my face, but, you know, they would have been like, you know, you're the only, you know, brown person I've ever had at my house or, you know, just those like, so how do you do your hair and let me touch it or, you know, that type of thing. And so when things like this now come out, I'm like, we all knew, you know, but it was like the straw that broke that camel's back. Now I'm like, nah, you got to go. We've, we've gone through this way too long. Like I, I, we just can't cut it. And then it's hard for me because like, as my job, I'm an educator, right? Like I teach public health, I teach you how to be a better person. So like with or take care of your health so you can make the best decisions. And so like, so with everything, right. Even though, of course, because I teach like sex ed, you can only imagine the questions I get even when I'm not even, you know, working from like friends Mm -hmm. and all that, you know, people just who know my job. And then once people realize I was working like COVID response, they're, you know, those questions come in, but then, and I'm always okay with educating people, right. I'm like, cause that's just who I am. But then when this comes, I'm like, it took you this long to care about Black people. Like, I'm not a trend. I'm not, you know, something that can, you know, you're just going to tweet about or post about this week, and then you're going to be done, right? Um, I don't want my education. It's not just, you know, it is a public health issue, but it's also my life. And so do I waste my time? educating someone who really isn't going to care and just fight me on it? Or do I just back up and say like, you know what, let's just like part ways at this point. So I just, for my mental health, knowing that you really don't care because I've seen your attitudes and positions on a lot of things. I was just like, I can't, I can't educate you at this point. We, we done here.
0: Yeah. There's something about that. Like I, I I've been having similar conversations related to politics, like just about, um, I want to spend my time with people who I feel can be persuaded not people who are just going to immediately put a wall up and that's sort of my my form of relating to what you said but it's 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 so much deeper cuz like your political beliefs are um very different I think off, or people at least make them feel different from like your views on race and your views on equality and your views on um like I think clearly the overt I'm not going to use that word again, the the clear, like obvious murder of someone and the obvious, like systemic racism that led to that person's murder, like those eight minutes and 46 seconds or whatever the, the, the time was, you know, like it took that to care. And, or it took that for people to be like, yeah, actually I'm fine with that. You know, blue lives matter. Just throw that up, you know, without actually looking into the problem. And I, I just find that, again, to me, it was eye-opening that so many people responded in that sort of like closed mindset form. But I also felt good that a lot of people responded with an open mindset. And a lot of people posted that black square on June 2nd because they wanted to be part of the trend. But that whole post that I started making that started to go viral was around going beyond the black square and doing the work to start becoming anti-racist. So I'm, I would imagine that a lot of people listening to this are people who have been like, I posted the black square, but like, I haven't done anything else. Like uh, black people teach me what to do, you know, like, cause I, there have been points in my life recently that I know I've done that, you know, black people talk to me, black people make me feel better. You know, black people like, please like, let me like, 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 let me amplify you, but AKA, just tell me that I'm not racist, you know, excuse my racism. So, um, I think it's really interesting and that's kind of why I think talking about allies can be so important and, and what you've seen that has been good, what you've seen that's been bad, like where have you been let down? And, and again, this can be as recent as the last couple of weeks, but also like this shit's probably happened to you guys forever, right? Like it's probably happened to you forever. Um, and you probably didn't feel like you had a, I don't know, maybe you didn't feel like you had a channel to, to properly share it, um, like beyond your own circles. It's just like, because white people weren't caring. White people didn't give a shit about the fact that they were racist, or at least contributing to racism, knowingly or unknowingly. doesn't really matter, I guess. White people are funny,
2: because it's like...
0: okay pause pause we need to just record that we need to blast that out everywhere (laughs) because I need to hear the reason why
2: (laughs) because it's just so like funny the reactions of like of privileged people and they don't I don't know it's just so I'm like I I guess I don't understand it because I've never been in that position you know so when things happen I'm like you really thought that was okay. Right. Like, so people trying me like, I want to learn and you know, black people teach me. Right. It is not my job to teach you about my experience. Like you got Google, you got um, the library, go get a library card, check out some books. Right. Realize those books don't represent all of us, but learn like where this ish is coming from. Mm-hmm. But like, like one girl wrote me, and I don't really know her, but she wrote me this message. She was just like, when around the time, like everyone, you know, to be cool, was posting Black Lives Matter, even if they didn't believe it. But she was like, I am raising money for so and so fundraiser because I have a mixed child. And my mixed child now has to live in a world like this. And my, like, just made it all about her. And I replied back, so you want me, the Black person, to start caring right now because how you think your son's going to feel? Because you just realized he was mixed, what, yesterday? Like, that's what you want from me? Like, no, I've cared about this since, you know, the first time I experienced racism. I don't know about Erica, but a lot of times when you, you know, we talk about, like, just in my circle, the first time you... Experience racism, and people are like, you know, at four, at age five, at six, at eleven, like, you know, people always think like, oh, you know, this doesn't really happen anymore, whatever, whatever, and it definitely does, and it starts at a young age. So your child probably already experienced it and didn't feel like you were a safe space to even say like, hey, this what happened to me, and that's probably the first time your child realized they were different. But now all of a sudden, it's in the media. You realize your Afro cute little mixed kid may have problems in this world because he's a little black boy, and now you want me to care? Like, just stuff like that. Like, you even approach trying to help as a part of privilege and telling your feeling. No one cares about your feelings right now. It's not about you. And like, but I'm not racist. I just... Well, um, okay. Well, you may not have called me the N-word in your message, but you definitely didn't show you cared about me, so... The only black person you cared about was your little boy. It wasn't about everyone else in the room. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, how do I even like unpack that with you? Because that was just so much. and No one's ever probably addressed that to you.
0: Yeah. Like, how can you possibly make that person get it in like a small Instagram response? You can't. And it's tiring. Like, I don't got, if that's what I got to do. It's not your job. It's not your job. (laughs) Right.
2: And if it's something I got to correct someone, you know, 10 times a day, that's my job. Like, I'm tired. I need to go home. I need a paycheck. Like, unless you're paying me, I don't got time to do all that.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's what, um, so my cousin and my family's from Louisiana. And my cousin, who's just under a month younger than me, basically posted something with the same sentiment. And it was kind of like, I'm not here to educate you. Like, that is not why the Lord or whatever higher being you believe in put me on this planet. Um, If you wanna get educated, like there's just too much available for you to come to me about it. And we're tired. And I, I said this in unpacking White Silence as well. We're tired, like I'm still working you know, 40 plus hours a week at my job as an accountant and I'm not here to not even teach you, but just say things to you, all for you to not process it and do something with it. Because I've had conversations with people and, you know, I basically said like, this is it, this is what it is. And I've seen nothing in their actions change outside of that black square. Um, so it's just, we're tired of beating the dead horse. We're tired of being the dead horse. And it's just, it's too much. And if you want to be an ally, then go work hard and be an ally. Don't do ca- don't force us to do the work for you. Um, because in that sense, like what makes you any better than the person who is at least honest with themselves and saying, I feel some type of way about black people where you'd rather just get the spark notes version than read the fucking book. And it's not even, it's in theory, a long and complex book, but the like five big points in it are very visceral, very much there, and they're not, there's no like moral question behind it. Like, ooh, if we treat black people too well, what will happen? Fucking nothing bad, can tell you that. Um, And I just feel like it's this constant, you know, back and forth of, well, instead of just ignoring us and ignoring the videos that our celebrities are putting out, um, why don't you just accept what we're giving you and accept that we want to learn? I don't have to accept anything. This is not a goodwill. And even then, goodwill throws away your shit if they don't want it, too.
0: So
1: <laughs> it's truly a matter of we are. If you want to be an ally, sh- an ally, then take that load off of us, because it shouldn't be our responsibility to not only be the one being, you know, attacked and criticized, but then have to explain someone else's actions to someone who is more closely related. To that person committing these egregious acts than the person who's being you know who these acts are being committed upon and i just i like i get heated like i get heated when people tell me like well can you give no i can't like i'm not a scholar i don't have any of the credentials i am by and large an idiot <laughs> and, um it's I'm a regular person and you can't expect me to just be this, you know, this beacon of knowledge.
0: And I think that's like the most important lesson to take away from an episode like this, you know, it's unpacking how to be an ally. It It's, it's not a recipe. It's not a cut and cookie, like cookie or cookie cutter, um, Thing for you to follow um there's not a simple solution and it's probably something that i and many of the people listening because i am familiar with your race <laughs> and your privilege um i'm familiar with the fact that this is gonna be something we're going to have to do for the rest of our lives because the majority of our lives we've been whitewashed. We've been bad allies. We've made jokes about, you know, Black Lives Matter and Black people. And we've consumed media that has objectified Black people. And we have participated in systemic racism. Aware of it or not, we are part of the problem. And turning to to Black people to say, can you fix me, is just adding to the problem and fueling the fire to your privilege, in my opinion. Because if you are someone who feels like they need help, someone who feels like they need direction, it's great that you have Black people in your life who could potentially offer to do that. But that's not going to be every single Black person that you meet they don't to me you guys don't owe us anything (laughs) like we're the one we're the ones who let you down right like i don't know like that's we're the ones who fucked up we're the ones who let this happen so we're the ones who need to make it not happen anymore uh however long that process takes and that's why i kind of like think it's okay to transition this episode into something that like what are some of the examples of allies that have like let you down people that have been bad allies things that people have been said or things that they've said faulty that they might not recognize or see in themselves and it's not to to teach people i think to me i'd love to take this episode in a direction that allows you guys to just either vent or share or say nope we're done our answer is do the work you know i think we can go any direction with it so like Lexi I would love to come back to you and and get your thoughts on on some of that um you know that was a really good I think like conversation of like unpacking how it's not on black people it's not on this podcast it's not on any of us it's on all of us individually so I'd love to get your thoughts on it
2: um there's just so many examples I just don't even know where to start in my life of like people who really think they're doing well and they're not um or like people who are blatantly racist, it's so hard. It's like a spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this. There's this like um, old older white lady that I work with, and I her heart is really in the a great place, and she. Um, so in the medical field, like, so I've let's backtrack. So I've always and concentrating my public health efforts have been on health disparities. So the communities where I know they're marginalized, who don't get access to health care, where the system isn't there to protect them, that's always been like my research, my passion, what drives me to like do the work that I do. And so this one lady that I do work with um, does a lot with breast cancer and cervical cancer research. And disproportionately, that does hurt people of color, particularly Black women. And she is so passionate about this, um, even as a white person, knowing that statistic and making sure that Black people do get access to free mammograms, free um, cervical checks, whatever the case may be, right? But when we have conversations She always says something like, oh, I met this girl named Sandra. She was just the lovely black woman. And I'm like, you don't have to say black in front. She was just a woman, right? And she's like, she's, uh," and then she'll be like, I had to pick, we only have one spot left for today uh, between a black woman and a white woman. And I told the white woman, nope, I got to give it to the black woman because her life matters. And I'm like, okay, I get where you are
0: going, ma'am,
2: but... And she you to correct your language but it's like I'm <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> it's well intentioned it's, it, it's it, so it
2: well intentioned but like every time she says it I'm trying one not to laugh but two like to correct her in the right way and she's been doing this for so long and like she has scholarship and she like she really her heart is a place where she really like thinks she's an ally and she is really trying right she does make sure that Black people do get those spots online until the white people find another place. Cause this clinic ain't it, but it's still, I'm like, but let's just like say she's a nice one. She just, did you see that black girl's outfit today? It was so lovely. You could just hit outfit, you know, see the lady in the red dress. Like you didn't have to add that race into it. Um. So again, like her heart's in the right place. It's just the wording It's not there yet. And that's the thing. Like, people, their hearts could be in the right place. They just don't know how to express themselves correctly. And then I think when it comes to that, like, you have to be open to people correcting you, whether it's a Black person, whether it's, you know, a family member that maybe be a little more woke than you are. But some people really take offense to that. Like, but didn't you just hear me say, like... I was, I was for the people, you know, and you gotta be like, yeah, but you're for the people in the wrong way, my dear. So I hear that a lot too.
0: Yeah. That well-intentioned allyship I think is a lot of us. I don't know that I've said something like that, but I've certainly said something along those lines, you know, for sure in my life, like just being like, We've talked about this before on on previous episodes, but I've I've said things, you know, like uh, or even just the last episode, cute for a black person, nice for a black person. Oh, she's the one dating the black guy, right? And it's like, what, like, 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 why is that the first thing? I mean, it is the most visible thing, but that doesn't mean it is the the thing to mention.
2: Right. And then this at that same motion people say, but I don't see color. Yet that is the first thing you saw. One, it's a lie. You're not colorblind. But two, that is the first thing. The first thing you're going to identify me as before you, you know, think of anything else. You're going to see me as a black person, right? I can't change that. But for you to say like you don't identify with that, you know, I'm colorblind. I'm teaching my kids to be colorblind. Oh, I hate that line. And then like <laughs> all of a sudden you want to be like that black girl over there or you know you didn't say the girl in the yellow shirt you didn't say the girl with the glasses you went to my skin color first or playing the afro first you you see it but um that intention again is there but then you still have to check your privilege and realize you're kind of lying to yourself and some of the other things that you've always passed on
0: right yeah yeah erica what about you What's some of those examples of a well-intentioned allyship that you've seen
1: well, it's funny because you guys keep saying intention and I keep thinking of that um, the S- or the speech by Ivan Illich, To Hell With Good Intention. And I mean, it, the overall, it is geared towards international service, but by and large, it's kind of like, what do you think that you have to offer as a surface level thing that's actually going to impact this community better than the community can impact itself? Um, and I think that's the issue that I have is I feel like I have a lot, there's a lot of people who have this, like, white savior complex where, you know, they feel like they need to stand up for me. And anyone who knows me or, like, honestly, anyone who's, like, listened to 10 seconds of any of these podcasts um, know that I am outspoken enough to just say it and defend myself. Um, And I think that really where allyship where people keep consistently failing as uh, allies as they don't realize that you don't need to be our white savior. Um, we're good. <laughs> uh, the other group that calls themselves the white knights are not great people for the black community. And I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> and it's, it's this idea of, Well, I need to speak out for you because you can't speak out for yourself. But if you keep taking that stage on our behalf, we will never get to perform. And we are the ones who not only wrote the script, we translated it into every language. We've acted it out. We've, you know, practiced every single period, apostrophe, comma. So when you take, when you step in front of us and you fumble and you say things and um, there is actually a girl who went to LaSalle and she posted something that did get a lot of flag and there are people calling her horrible names, um, a lot of Bs and Cs and all those fun words and it was, these were people who were saying it, quote unquote in the name of Black Lives Matter um, and in the name of Black people. And we don't want that. Um, we don't need you perpetuating a violence that does not belong to us. We don't need you putting out this this nastiness and this, you know, ooh, well, that girl doesn't agree, so fuck her. We don't want that because it invalidates the points that we've been working for hundreds of years to make. Um, And so when you step up in a way that is more of a attack than it is, I don't agree, but let's have this conversation because we sit in the same boat, then those conversations are useful, but you just, you know, yelling out, you know, mean things and just saying things that aren't getting anyone anywhere, it's just like, all right, well, for all that, you could have just sat the fuck down, Cheryl, and let us talk. And I'm sorry for the Cheryls out there. I mean, it's, it cannot be worse than being a Karen in 2020. But, um, even though, did you know, someone asked me, like, do you know any Karens? And my aunt's name is Karen. <laughs> oh, no. And she's literally a cherub of a woman but um
0: i have to yeah the karens in my life are incredible people (laughs) (laughs)
1: actually i went to high school with a karen i didn't know her but i knew her and she was the fucking worst and she is most certainly a karen um but i've actually even seen like videos where like a woman is truly trying to have a conversation like i completely agree with you but Like, let's talk about why we completely, or not agree, disagree with you, but let's talk about why we completely disagree. And they're like, shut up, Karen. Karen had something to say. Like, let her say it. And then you give her something that she can go home with. And that might not change her, but it won't further validate her opinions on a movement that you, quite frankly, are kind of auxiliary to like you don't belong to it you're just a result of it and that's kind of been my stance on a lot of these black squares and white people suddenly waking up is there just a result of something that we have been a part of before it was even a movement um so I think it's a whole lot of, again, that white savior complex. And I think that's the most detrimental way to not only hurt the cause, but hurt the people that you claim allyship to.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because both of you guys, um, very grateful for it. You didn't have to do it, but called me out on my own white savior mentality of, you know, when we were planning this episode, when we were planning on what we wanted to talk about, and I said something about examples of allies building you up. Can you share examples of allies building you up? And I think uh, Lexi, you were the first person to say to me, like building you up. I don't, I don't need allies to build me up. You know, like like that sounds very white savior. And and so I I've been thinking about that myself of just even for me and this podcast it is mostly white I wasn't really doing many episodes until quarantine started and now I've amassed an internet following because I'm a white person talking about it you know like I I I have to even look at myself and be like aren't I somebody who is benefiting from finally speaking up you know like aren't i somebody who's finally getting more listeners finally getting more paid posts finally get like all of this because i what like 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 said one thing that shocked people around privilege and and said one thing that's that's you know made people think differently about race and i'm not trying to discredit what i'm doing cuz i'm working very hard with my therapist to be proud of who i am but <laughs> But like, even me again, it's, am I easier to listen to quote unquote? We love air quotes in this podcast. Thank you, Kirk. Um, am I easier to listen to? Am I more palatable to listen to because I'm a white person who's queer and 85% of the people who follow me on Instagram are young white women and so is that an example, again, of how my voice has privilege and my voice carries the weight that, like, it it doesn't need to carry. Like, we should be amplifying what Black people have been saying for so long. And it makes me want to, like, be like, <laughs> do I, is this should this podcast even be mine? Should this exist? Should I be a person who just shares, you know, like black people and black authors and then i wonder okay well how can i be a bridge then so that i can connect how can i connect white people with black people can that be part of my role in this but you're right erica like i haven't posted i've posted a lot of shit about politics for years but i haven't posted shit about race and race and politics until very 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 recently and that's going back to lexi's first point This started with the death of george floyd so like It's to me, the problem is so large and well-intentioned allyship can even break into the people who like seem like me, like they're trying to do a good job. Am I really lifting up voices? Am I really giving a platform for people to share? Are people really listening? Are they listening to this episode and then going to be like, I'm going to follow Erica and I'm going to follow Lexi because I like what they have to say. Or am I just going to keep following Paul because I like what he has to say about black stuff. Like, that's not what this is, I think. So like even me being part of the problem while trying to solve the problem is like very much a a weird conundrum I find myself in. (laughs) And as I've realized, as we've been talking, I just talked for three minutes about myself and that's not what this podcast is. (laughs) So, <laughs> like again it's it's another example of 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 us trying to make it about us and us trying to make it about our struggle in the black lives matter movement it's fucking not about us I, and i yeah I you guys are listening go ahead yeah i i i just No i was, was just going to say like Paul. if i, I No, I just like, and I don't, I don't say this for you guys to validate me or anything. I I just say this as like, wow, shit. I just realized something while I was processing this. Like, am I continuing to be part of, of the problem? And, and yeah, that's all I'll pause on. And I, again, I don't, I'm not saying this to search for validation. I'm saying this to acknowledge like, yeah, it's really easy for white people to be like, look at me. I'm an ally. Oh my God. Like my manicured Instagram feed. I'm finally doing the work. Be proud of me. Cheer me on. When, like, really, you should... We all, we all, not just me, but we all should have been doing this for much longer than we've been doing now.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Lexi said earlier, white people are funny. It's <laughs> 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 just, like, it's such a true statement, but it's just, like, I don't know, hearing it, it cracks me up, but... <laughs> like I have no other
2: words to explain it it's just funny to me like you really think it really is and it's
1: I think it's it's so interesting because so many people are you know saying oh my god Erica like I love the podcast I love what you're saying even though one of my friends said Erica I love your podcast and I said that is right bitch my podcast
0: (laughs) Okay, that's tea, actually. (laughs) That's true. I always, Erica, I have said from the beginning, if I ever get sponsored, you are getting a cut because I cannot profit on the backs of Black people or else I'm absolutely part of the problem.
1: But also, if there's any companies who are looking for someone to, like, sponsor for, like, skinny teas, I would do it. And here's a quick sidebar. Here's why. (laughs) Because that's how you've made it. Like, I'm so done with you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm
2: not going to lie. While you were sitting here, I was like, listen, if you ever get a sponsor and sort black hair products as I twist my hair, let me <laughs> you know. Because I will get on the video next time. And show the tutorial.
0: Yeah, you guys can't see it. but You guys can't see it, but Lexi has been doing her hair for 50 minutes and I don't understand how you have strength left in your arms because I can't even hold a blow dryer in the amount of time I've just seen you braid your hair
2: hair hair day is real like when people are like oh do you want to go out later and I'm like no I'm doing my hair they're like yeah but like I'm talking about like evening, this is afternoon. I'm like, no, 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 you, you girl. Didn't me. this is wash day people. I'm in for the I'm in for the count like it this has is
1: to, it. It, it has to oh my god, we actually said we would like snuggle into black women's hair and i'm I'm gonna say it now i I actually had this like shower revelation a few days ago, and I said, no one ever asks me what i do to keep my hair healthy they only ask me how i get my hair to look the way that it is like it's impossible to them that i just was born with this curl pattern like ma'am finally shut the fuck up like i i get so mad they're like do you twist it oh my god do you do a braid out no girl i have not ran a comb through my hair In weeks, I actually cut out a dreadlock three days ago. A dreadlock I did not want. My sister, you (laughs) suck. I comb my hair all the time. My sister's like, nope, it is what it is. I can't, oh, cut, we gone. (laughs) It's just like, and I, I tell people in life, if you want something to look beautiful, you have to treat it like it is beautiful. And so, That is one of the big things that I get bothered about is when people, no one ever asks, you know, how I maintain, they always assume that it's manufactured when it's something that is not within the realm of what they expect of a black person, or they'll try to take away my blackness and say like, oh, are you mixed with anything? No, bitch, just black and black, I don't know what to tell you. And I I think that's super common in general with the Black experience is where it's a lot of, how did you get yourself to look less Black and let me praise that? Or how do you look different and exotic? Um, They'll compliment my hair when it's straight, like, oh my God, it's so long. By the way, Lexi's hair is like, fucking flowing by the way it is like <laughs> it is like a fountain of youth listen um, let me get a sponsorship I will tell you all the secrets I know <laughs> Lexi and I should just hype each other's hair up and we're going to start yeah. our own podcast we're going to steal Paul's listens we're going to take the voice <laughs> we're going to take the white guilt
2: and be like come over here to our podcast and learn about <laughs> black hair
0: take it i mean like like, i feel like that's what this movement is it's it's taking the mic back like from from white people it's speaking your mind take the money back too you know like i'm not uh, unfortunately my my community the the white gay community tends to be the most privileged and financially prosperous of all of the marginalized communities so uh feel free you know to, to take any profit off of me Also,
1: if people – someone actually asks, like, what's a way that I can support black people? And this is for everyone. First of all, that's a stupid fucking question, but
0: that's besides the point. Um, I can't believe they asked you that. Well, no, I can believe – I keep saying that. I can believe they asked. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, it tracks. Also – These are also. I want you to realize, like, these are questions that Black people don't know don't know the answer to truly, because we've never had to support Black people because we were too busy being actual Black people. But um, that's a crazy connection that I'm sure many people cannot make. But uh, fucking stop giving your money to all these groups who have no Black representation, who do nothing for the Black community, and I. I, on God, stop looking at their Instagram feeds to figure out whether or not you want to support them and look into their business practices and go online and just look at what their, you know, executive board looks like. And maybe that's how you can figure out whether or not they actually give a fuck. Because I can most certainly write, almost a flip I could say, uh, black people suck. On my instagram and then i could go walk around like i love being black you are beautiful you are beautiful your melanin is popping and so it's it's to say that what you put on social media is in no means a reflection of how you actually feel and what just because you post something doesn't mean that that's how you act in real life so go support black businesses there are literally hundreds of thousands and they sell everything that you need and like Paul said the gay community kind of has the benefit of sitting at the top at least financially of marginalized people and I see you guys buying the same shit from these same white companies who even before there is this you know turn for white companies to be responsible and how they act. And before people were noticing, they were still forever 21 urban outfitters, robbing artists of their unique designs, like doing shit that is unethical in the first place. So do your research and support people who, if you saw them on the street, would support you back and who have faces that look like us instead of, you know, the same white guy photocopied
0: ten times over um, with various level of blurriness it's so right it's so funny that you say that because as someone who you know uh, like I enjoy particularly like like cocktails and so like when I look for small businesses and small distilleries I, I would of course love for them to be um, owned by uh, people who don't necessarily look like me um, you know someone with a mustache and a beard and tattoos and like a beer belly like how many cocktails how many people behind the bar, behind the like fancy gentrified bar look exactly like me? And um, it's interesting because I, I purchased a cocktail book from Amazon that I can't remember her name right now because we're in the middle of recording, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll post it. Um, but it, it, she was the, the first black cocktail author to be Posted about her mixology skills in a hundred and fifty years, and like I just thought it was so cool because like all of her like um like all of her stuff was like um about uh like the tiki drinks and how the tiki drinks connects with like island culture and Caribbean culture and like why it's huge for her to be um I think it's Shannon Mostefar, but I don't want to say that wrong. So um just saying that just in case but um <clears throat> like but for her like she was sort of like sharing her experience and talking what it was like to be a black person behind the bar and making these like elaborate drinks that represented where she came from and i'm like oh my god how many of us as white people go to like oh my god like fucking. Jared is so like like his tattoos like he's like and I just love this place because like it's just so relaxed it's just so like oh my god no it's like a white owned place of people with tattoos like that's not you know like what there's not any different there's so many like black businesses I think to support and that took me so like. It was so easy to find one. I literally Googled cocktail books by black authors and surprise, she's the only one that's been published. So I bought it. And she specifically said on her website, like, please buy this from my website, not buy it from Amazon. And what did my ass do? I bought it from Amazon because it would have gotten there faster. Like I'm the worst, you know? So like even just like simple examples of that, of your little hobbies and your little passions, just like, I guess, what is it like, think black, like think if, if, if there's somebody in the black community who does something like this, I think you could do that. And I think you could support them. I think you could go to the right restaurants. I think you could buy the right drinks. I think you can, you know, buy the right t-shirt, like, of just like finding a way to support not these corporate enterprises, especially, you know, all of the gay men uh, like myself who, you know, I, and I don't say this to chastise, but we wear Lululemon, we wear, you know, like we wear just like constantly like the, the, the brands that we support the brands that we we support may hire black like models and hire black people but they're not the ones running the company and like you said erica if you can think that there's a product that you like there's a black person who's doing it just as good or better you know and like why aren't we doing that that's a really good example of like i think allyship that you just think well amazon can do it you're putting more money into jeff bezos's pocket who doesn't even pay taxes and barely pays his black workers and his white workers, but just his, his lowest paid workers. Um Lexi, I don't know if you have another thing to, to kind of share. I know Erica and I were just talking a lot. So I think that's...
2: Yeah, I was parting my hair. I'm here though. But um yeah, no, going back to you guys made some really good points, but like trying to remember, um so when way back when you're talking about like what Ally can do to like have a voice or help people amplify black voices, I guess you how you phrased it. Um, I feel like this could be me personally, but black women are the least heard or least taken seriously. Like great example of that like Brianna Taylor, right? Like she was training for a couple of days and it completely died down, right? And we see that a lot with Um, The murders, if you compare a black man to a black woman getting murdered by the cops. And there's multiple other examples. Just in the work field, everything, um, black women are the most not heard or not taken seriously, right? And then we're taught that we have to be polite. We have to look a certain way. We have to do this and that. But then when we don't, when we speak up for ourselves, it's that stereotypical, you're angry, you're loud, you're, and we try to avoid that to fit in especially in like maybe a corporate world and then you know I feel like even when we speak up our message gets lost because people are more focused on maybe us being quote-unquote louder like and that's really just us expressing ourselves so like how you're saying that now people are you know you're all famous, Instagram famous now and using your platform, right? But it's funny because I've, it's not just you. A lot of now white allies decided to speak up on their social media and then they gained followers and they gained traction and publicity because they started speaking up. And so like, just like me, for example, I already said like, like health disparities and working in reproductive health is my passion. And I've always talked about how systemically the medical community um doesn't care as much about black women like black women are three times but more likely to die in childbirth you know infants black infants are you know so much more likely to die their first year of life all because when you know black women voice their opinion they aren't you know taken seriously by the medical community not putting blame on like one doctor it's just the medical community right um and been talking about that for years. I know multiple women of color who always spoke up and said something about it. But then now that everyone's focused on systemic racism, right, um, that I've seen TikTok videos of like white doctors or, you know, that go viral that have been saying this message that we've been telling you or people talking about, you know, how the like, not the art, but the science around gyne- gynecologic. Like systems and the doctor of gynecology was, you know, he started out by doing experiments on black slaves without anesthesia, and he's like famous for it. And you know, he his monuments are everywhere, and you learn about him all throughout public health books and medical books, right? And black women have been speaking up and saying, you know, these things shouldn't be happening. Like there shouldn't be statues of this man like we why are we celebrating that like you know our ancestors were had to get surgery no anesthesia and then go back on that field and work right no one's mentioning their names and so it's like for me when like people now black or white allies whether they're in the medical field or not they're now doing their research and now using their voices to say this is wrong and now that it's a white voice saying it they're like you're so right, that is wrong. Let me, you know, give you publicity for you, you know, your 10 seconds of wokeness. And that's great that you are reaching a community that I probably wouldn't reach with my black voice. But at the same time, like you have to realize black women have been talking about this for a year. So I think as a black ally, if you want to be an ally and you have to recognize that you do have um, like a position of power, whether you realize it or not, and use that power to bring someone with you. So like, you know, if you have a blog, you know, not feature a black person one time and like, great job, I did the work like no, like continuously bring black people on their different black voices. Not all of us have the same opinion, right? We all grew up differently. Um, Constantly making sure that there's a space like Don't just bring us on for February or Black this month, Black this week, whatever. Keep bringing our voices because that's the only way that our voice is going to be heard by a different audience that wouldn't probably hear us in the first place.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Yeah, Erica, do you have, I mean, I'm just thinking about like, Myself and the future, what we can do about like with with this particular like tiny platform that we have, you know, just to make sure that we're doing that to to, to keep number one reminding people of that that like who are those female black voices that you need to be following, um who are the overall like black voice, black voices that you need to be following, um and, and you know like how I can share stuff like that, but also like even just. Trying to make sure that especially anytime I'm talking about, you know, race, that there's somebody of color in the room, like, and particularly right now, it feels very imperative that there are black people in the room, um, whether that be at work, my personal life or professional life, you know, I'll always have like my side conversations with Jack around how we're tackling this together, and what we can do together. But like, there's, there's obviously a lot of other outlets that I have where like, I can lift up black people. Black voices and amplify like those voices and and make sure that they're at the forefront and part of the conversation, not just like, here, look at this, look at this, look at this. I did this once, you know, but Erica, I want to, I want to turn to you and see if you had any kind of thoughts on, on that piece. I know we we talked about a little bit earlier, but just to see like what other thoughts you maybe had on, on whether it be the amplification or whether it be the allyship or whether it be like the self-congratulation, whatever, you know, you think is, is.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, it's hard because I am most people's connection to the black community. And I am also, by and large, their sole connection in the sense that I may not be the only black person in their life, but I am the only black person where it's, you know, they can have that conversation in an acceptable way. In the sense that it might be your coworker, but like, girl, we're working, like, that, that's neither the place nor the time, um, and not to say that, you know, having those discussions is unprofessional, but, like, we just lit- probably just don't have time, um, but I think, even though I think it's important to have a person of color in the room, I also think it's important to have those conversations that are purely white on white, because if I'm in the room, someone is not going to be honest in how they feel because if they do have a thought that is problematic, that needs to be addressed, they're not going to bring it out when I'm around. Um, just like I, the way that the conversations that I have with other black people, I likely would not have with white people um or solely with another white person Um because it's, it's kind of like, well, how do I, if I bring this up, you would have to know all of this backstory and you would have to know all these experiences. Like I spent, like I had to explain to, I think it was you, Paul, what a muumuu is. And I don't actively, like, it's just a house dress and that's all I know. Like <laughs> It's just, you know, your grandma and your aunties and your mom wear your muumuu. And now that I have upgraded to home ownership, I've become an auntie and I must now wear a muumu. So I think to have a lot of same, you know, within your particular group, and it doesn't even have to be ethnicity wise, it could also be in a group of, you know, cis men who are just kind of like, I don't get why it's different for Black women or I don't get why Black women X, Y, and Z because our experience is very different um, even from that of a Black man. So I think it's important to have those conversations in a comfortable way because you need to know how people truly feel before you can start addressing it. Um, You know, my cat's been an absolute asshole lately and it turns out that she had something stuck in her paw and she was just like kind of lashing out because of it. But I can't address that issue because she's not telling me what's going on. And that's what it is with some of these conversations. Like you're only scratching the surface if I'm in the room because people want to mind their P's and Q's. And also when I get angry, it is so very apparent that I'm about to beat your ass. Um and that's not a black person thing, that is a daughter of Mosetta Sims thing. <laughs> but it's definitely it's important to have those conversations one on one. And then you take you have to take something from that conversation and you need to do your own research. And then, you know, if there's points where you're kind of like, Wow, I just cannot connect this. I have all this information. And it's just not firing off of my synapses, then that's when you have the conversation with your friend of color. But realize it's a conversation, not an interview or a test or, in some instances, an inquisition. Um, It just has to be a, hey, this person did da-da-da-da-da, and I said da-da-da-da-da, and then they responded with da-da-da-da-da, and I just can't. How, like, where am I missing something to where it's not really clicking with them? Like, where can I make up in my conversations where I have all of this information available, but there's something missing? And you can have a conversation and, hey, your Black friend might realize, wow, like, this also doesn't connect with white people. I didn't realize that. Well, here it is. Go fucking use it. But don't ask me twice. Um... So I, I think there's so many layers of conversations that you can't have, where it doesn't just have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be homogeneous, it doesn't have to be heterogeneous, it can just, it is what it is. Um, levels of comfort change, levels of education, levels of class, those all need to change for it to work to become something, because you can't try to fix the same person because there's only so much of those people. Um, You have to start... Like I think a great thing that I would love to see on this podcast is I'd love to see you talk to someone who is an all-lives-matter person. And I know that's difficult, because this is probably not the platform that they want to voice their opinions on, because they feel like they'll be attacked, and I totally get that. Not by you, but I'm sure by people who support the podcast. Um, So I think... You know, having conversations that also show the other side are super important. Um, And I'm not saying that it'll cause you to reach a middle ground. But I know Trevor Noah, for example, had, um, what's her name?
0: Tommy Lahren.
1: Tabby Loser. I'm just kidding.
0: I hate her. (laughs) I hate her.
1: And I think she's terrible and she doesn't know what she's doing. But Trevor Noah still had her on his show. And they had a conversation. And at no point did either person start aggressively going after each other. And did they walk away in agreement? No, um, I, I think it's um, it's a tough fight if you fight for agreeance. It's a worthwhile fight if the goal is just understanding. Um, and I think that's what people have to realize It's like our goal is understanding. You don't have to agree with me. I don't agree with you. Um, I'm a very disagreeable person, so it definitely tracks. But when you have those conversations and you walk us away and, I, and say, I understand this perspective, I disagree. I don't think that's right. But I understand. Then you can start combating that. Um, so really, my big advice is start mixing it the fuck up. And don't have... You know, repeated voices. I know I'm a repeated voice. So I'm trying to get that skinny T fucking sponsorship. <laughs> I think that's literally not even legal on Instagram anymore. But that's besides the point. Um, it's it's literally a laxative, but that's fine. Right, right. <laughs> Things that we don't need. But <laughs> I think, um, you know, switching switching up the voices, making conversations sound different, look different. Um, mixing it up at the table. And when you do that, like I think you'll get a lot more change than shouting into an echo chamber and the people who are willing to have those conversations, because I've given up on the people who comment on your post, Trump 2020 with some American flags. Like uh, they're just being trolls and you can't do anything about a troll except burn their little bridge.
0: Um, You can't, they're not people you can learn from. Those aren't the people to worry about.
1: we're also like mostly not old enough to vote i went into those profiles it's like something high school class of 2023 like child you will never vote for donald trump because you cannot
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: they can't right
0: yeah i don't know no they think they can because they think he's gonna run for a third term but that is absolutely another episode to unpack
1: (laughs) can you imagine if like they're like new rules?
0: Girl, I I mm. absolutely see it happening. So I just will leave that one where it is.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll He's defied bad.
0: every single thing about our political system. But the
2: thing about that is, like, you do kind of have to worry about, like, those people. Because those people end up being police officers those people end up being lawyers those people end up being doctors those people are going to come face to face with a black person person of color who maybe they've never encountered in their life until they are in a professional environment and they're going to just go off the stereotypes that they know because they've never been exposed to anyone that wasn't white and cis so you still like you still have to put in the work to worry about those people or like, it's not our, like, it's not your job to like go in and be like, actually, I'm going to correct you because it's not my job to educate you, but we still have to worry about them.
0: We mm-hmm. can't discount
2: those people because those people end up being governors, senators, teachers, you know, who call out black people and think, you know, stereotypes. So we definitely still have to worry about them.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You know, it's not about, I would say, like, fully ignoring them. Know that they may be harder... To persuade but you can still try to get them to at least come to a level of understanding give the information that they need to sort of read and process and learn and and i i'm grateful for the people who have responded to all of those trolls i've tried my damnedest to respond to a lot of them um when it gets too much it, it literally gets too much and it's easier to reach people i think through a, a story or a podcast but um you know i think that, that that's just a, a good way to sort of close this out and frame this as like the work's just starting. You know, we're 1 month into uh beyond the black square. We're 1 month into the fact that like white people woke up for a minute. You know, I'm I'm so grateful for you guys for coming and speaking and sharing and us unpacking there's not a recipe for this. There's not steps to follow. There is learning there is listening there is educating there is fighting there is protesting and that's all going to happen at different times it's all going to happen at different times but like keep having the conversations (laughs) keep trying your best i will happily continue to share resources that have worked for me as a person who is working to become anti-racist so um you know I'll, I'll happily share but i i do want you guys to to still be able to be heard so um i don't know if you have final thoughts or if you just want to plug your your social handle so that people can engage and, and follow with you um after this is over so erica what's your uh only fans i mean instagram um, erica
1: underscore megan i went public because someone actually messaged me and requested that i make my profile more accessible and it was actually only private because my ex kept like, stalking me. And he's probably going to listen to this episode. So my drone business. But um, yeah, Erica, E-R-I-C-A underscore M-E-G-A-N.
0: And Lexi, what about you?
1: Um, my
2: Instagram is Lex underscore The Explorer, L-E-X, The Explorer. So follow me. I'm private, but I'll... I guess I'll follow you back or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> follow you back, but I won't solve your problems with racism. <laughs>
2: exactly. I I post some great stuff on my stories, though, and you'll learn about sex ed, and you'll learn about health disparities, if that's what you're into, but that's all I got. I can't travel right now, so you're not going to see any travel fi-
0: pictures, but once I <laughs> the exploring is uh internal. I yeah. yeah I, I I personally love following you, both of you. Um but Lexi, you know, you were you were one of the first people to tell me like it's okay to want more out of sex, you know, like it's okay to like wanna, you know, like demand things from your partner and speak up and like own your like like sexual activity. And I don't say this about Jack. I say this about pre-Jack. So sorry to Jack's family and friends who are listening, but um, like just about, you know, the demands that you that you make. I think like I've learned so much just from what you've shared about about black stuff, but also about sex stuff and, and sometimes how those things uh, intersect. Um, and Erica, I, I follow you just cause you're my bottom bitch, but like, you know, we're like
1: <laughs> Honestly, all I have is like pictures of my cat. <laughs> Cat. Also,
0: well, it's about racism. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you
2: said, you know, you I, a black
1: friend, I'll be your black friend. I got you, girl. I was gonna say, I have, I am still also being educated. So, and I think that's my takeaway is, um, I'm still getting, I'm still educating myself because this is so much and it's so deep. Um, Obviously, I have a little bit of a head start, but I'm also way behind other people. So don't think that you are alone in educating yourself. Uh, Don't think that because you don't know now that it's too late because I am 24 and I'm still working on it. Um, My parents are in their 60s. Paul, you should probably bleep that out. (laughs) Their age. (laughs) Um, and they're still learning, too, and they experience racism in a much more visceral way than I ever did, and hopefully I ever will. So um, education is a it is a living, organic thing, and it's always going to change. It's always going to look different, um, but that doesn't give you an excuse to stop doing it. So there's no reason to stop, and there's no reason not to start.
0: Agreed.
2: Can I leave with one last thing? Hell yeah. OK, please correct your racist uncle at the dinner table, um, because if me and him interact in the street, it ain't going in well for him, not me. So correct your racist uncle. Have those conversations with your family members and your kids and everyone else.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Um and thank you everyone for listening. Um if you like this episode, uh please subscribe, comment, share it with a friend. You can follow me on Instagram at at it's Paul Warren um and if you hated this episode you can let me know that too because um i've obviously had some shitty episodes in the past and i'm hoping to have better ones in the future with more diverse perspectives not just in skin color but in thought process whether it be somebody who believes blue lives matter or somebody who proclaims all lives matter or somebody who talks about black lives matter like we will uncover and unpack anything on this podcast so thank you so much for listening we will see you next week talk to you all soon